0: So it all started right at the pand- when the pandemic hit. Um, I was stuck in my basement with a lot of free time and not much to do.
1: This is Sam. He's a college student, and we're only using his first name for reasons that
0: will become clear in a minute. So I got to scouring the internet, looking around, and out of boredom, I came across Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You've probably heard of it.
1: It's part of an electronic payment system that allows people to transfer digital currency back and forth on a peer-to-peer network, directly, person-to-person, without using a bank. The transactions are messages, like email, which are validated digitally, using a cryptographic code, a kind of encryption. One Bitcoin, right now, is worth about $16,000, which happens to be much more money than Sam could afford to dabble with.
0: I was kind of a broke college kid. I didn't really have the money to just buy it and sit on it.
1: So he found a place for himself in a little niche of crypto, something called Bitcoin mining. Think of Bitcoin mining as part of a crowdsourced verification process. Because Bitcoin is decentralized and no one person or entity controls it, there has to be a way to check the transactions. That's where Bitcoin miners come in. They validate transactions. This Bitcoin moved from this account to that account. And then, after they're validated, they add it to a giant public ledger that keeps track of all the Bitcoin out there. For doing that, miners receive a reward, a fraction of a Bitcoin. And all those little rewards, it turns out, can really add up. To get in on this, you have to buy a special machine called a miner, which is what Sam did. It looks like an old CPU tower basically a box with tons of computing power and lots of fans. And there are several different kinds.
0: So after comparing a bunch of those, finding one I liked in my price range, um, I decided to pull the trigger and found one off eBay for pretty heavily discounted. Just
1: $250. And he talks with his dad and he gets permission to set it up in the basement.
0: To someone of his age, it made no sense at all and it seemed like a total scam. My dad was kind of dumbfounded by the idea that you could have digital currencies that actually help value it.
1: So it turns out that buying a machine is not the big ticket item in Bitcoin mining. Electricity is. In fact, 90 to 95 percent of the cost of Bitcoin mining is electricity, which Sam quickly realizes is taking a huge bite out of his profits. So one night at a party, a
0: friend of his casually mentions... Hey, we don't pay electricity costs on campus, it's just a flat rate. And then included utilities, housing, internet, all the things that would come like traditionally with university housing.
1: And an idea slowly starts to take shape in Sam's head. Free electricity, Bitcoin mining.
0: The electric draw is large, but on a campus that serves upwards of 10,000 people, That has buildings all over, they have research institutes, they have computing labs, they have arenas and all these things, they're not going to notice another 900 square foot house on top of that.
1: So he turns to these friends and says, so how would you like to have a Bitcoin miner in your university apartment? And they work out a deal, a very college deal.
0: They said, we'll we'll do it for alcohol. So that, that was the deal. It was a bottle of tequila or vodka or some sort of alcohol monthly.
1: And they weren't too picky about what he brought.
0: I bought the cheap Jose Cuerva. Not the nice old, not the nicer Reposado version either. But I when I got them vodka, I got them Tito's.
1: So not long after, Sam shows up at their apartment with the mining machine under his arm, and his friends clear out a corner of their
0: shoe closet, and he sets it up. Right near their front door, and I kind of jerry-rigged a soundproofing system to enclose the sound, and I could remotely monitor the machines. And his friends, well, they loved
1: it. They liked getting the liquor, and then there was this extra added bonus. The machine put
0: out so much heat, it kept the apartment toasty. Where I go to school, it's incredibly cold in the winter months. On that end, they loved the additional free heater as they saw it.
1: By the end of the school year, Sam and his Bitcoin miner had made about $5,000, minus the cost of a few bottles of Tito's. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. All over the world, people like Sam are dabbling in cryptocurrencies. So today, we bring you a crash course in one of the most accessible pieces of the crypto economy, Bitcoin mining. All you need is tons of electricity, a mining machine, and in Sam's case, a cheap bottle of tequila. Stay with
2: us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to record.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about
3: the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she? And will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
1: It's a straight line from the 2008 financial crisis to the development of Bitcoin.
3: For Wall Street, it was another case of whiplash. The markets haven't been this volatile in almost 80 years. Lehman Brothers is
2: going bankrupt. Life, as most Americans know it, is about to change, in some cases dramatically.
1: The financial crisis went well beyond Wall Street. People were losing their houses. Banks were asking for bailouts. And the whole affair sowed a lot of distrust. In the U.S. government, in big institutions, in the so-called elite. And it's a big reason why people started looking for something to replace traditional finance. They wanted alternatives to the central banking system, the Fed, which had become the personification of the man.
3: You know, the Fed actually used to be a little crazier than it is today.
1: This is Lamont Black. He worked at the Fed as an economist for eight years. So, essentially, He was a man who worked for the man. And he insists the man isn't as stuffy as you think.
3: When I first joined, some of my older colleagues told me, like, they used to, there was a point in time where they they had some offices, even in Watergate, and they would, like, play Frisbee in the hallways and things. I was like, wait, are we talking about the same institution here?
1: Suffice to say, the financial crisis of 2008 ended the fun. And then, out of this crisis of confidence, came a revolution. An 11-page paper entitled Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. I know, it doesn't sound like a revolution, but it was the birth of something big. The paper was the brainchild of someone who, to this day, has not admitted to writing it. His pseudonym is Satoshi Nakamoto. And what the paper was was a kind of manifesto about a financial payment system that would allow people to deal directly with one another, peer-to-peer, without having to go through a financial institution like, say, the Fed. Lamont had heard rumblings about it, of course, but he was skeptical.
3: My wife calls it Internet quarters. It's like these things that doesn't, don't really exist. And it seemed like a way to try and avoid... Local regulations. So, like most people, I was pretty skeptical.
1: And then he left the Fed to teach at DePaul. He's an associate professor there now.
3: It was my students who got me into crypto. They wanted (laughs) to learn about Bitcoin, and so it forced me to start my own learning journey. And um... so one
1: day, Lamont found himself on a train heading for a conference, and he fished this 11-page Bitcoin manifesto out of his bag and started reading. And he was surprised.
3: The white paper is actually very well written. It has a clear motivation. How do we do money without the government and without banks?
1: And he found himself warming to the argument, thinking, hmm, this actually makes some sense. Huh, maybe a digital currency is the natural progression of money.
3: Money's taken many different forms in the past. Money has often been private. Money has been physical. But over time, we've moved from metal to paper to paper backed by metal.
1: And the paper addresses the very thing that had been hanging over the financial system since 2008, this idea of trust. Nakamoto's solution? Instead of trusting the man, let's democratize it, rely on the man on the street. And he did that by inventing that distributed ledger of all the transactions, something called a blockchain. It serves as a giant accounting book that the whole world can see. So really, you don't have to trust anyone.
3: And so it's almost like an audit function.
1: If someone promised they sent you Bitcoin even though you haven't received it, you can check directly on the blockchain itself. With cryptocurrencies, you can verify everything related to transactions. And Bitcoin mining is part of that. The mining is everyone competing to legitimize and monitor an exchange of Bitcoins to make sure the transaction is kosher. But this competition to validate is super crazy. To understand how crazy... Let's imagine you walk into a room. Filled with doors. These doors lead to many places,
2: but one door is special.
1: Behind only one of these doors is a verified Bitcoin transaction. And in the middle of the room is a huge pile of old-fashioned metal keys. And only one of them will unlock one door. The Bitcoin miner's job? Be the first to fish that right metal key out of the pile and open the door. To do that, the miner is chewing through complicated equations that require a ton of computer power to solve. So, when someone initiates a transaction, you're basically grabbing a key, trying the lock, and doesn't work. Rats, grab another key, try the lock. No go. New key. Nope. And imagine doing that at infinitum until, boom, your mining machine solves the equation, the door is unlocked, and you win. The faster your machine, the more keys you can grab from the pile, and the more likely you'll get rewarded. Typically, a block of transactions is verified in this way every 10 minutes. And then everyone goes back to the beginning with a new huge pile of keys, and the process repeats itself again and again and again. So, In this way, miners all over the world every day are performing the function of the man without the man. Lamont Black, that skeptical Fed economist, was reading about all of this on that train. And by the time he got to his stop, he was a Bitcoin believer.
3: I think it's a paradigm shift in the history of money.
1: Very quickly, this Fed guy finds himself not just on board, but teaching entire classes about it at DePaul.
3: So part of why I teach this course is because like, I think this is legit and I think it's the future.
1: He started talking about Bitcoin everywhere.
3: My parents in general, my wife, my kids, like I talked about this to all of my family members. I've been to
1: family, like at family reunions.
3: reunions. They have asked me to give crypto blockchain presentations at family reunions to try and help them understand it.
1: And do you think they do?
3: Uh, I Well, I think they understand it more than they did I, you know, all of us are on a learning journey.
1: But if you were really lucky, your Bitcoin mining journey started earlier, much earlier than Lamont and his family's.
2: I bought most of my Bitcoin through PayPal and through the the dark web at $2.52.
1: After the break, up close and personal with an early adopter who is now, among other things, the proud owner of a Mercedes-Benz entirely purchased with Bitcoin mining rewards.
2: loud, right? That's loud. Stay with us. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you
0: get your podcasts.
1: So, uh, did crypto help you live the dream, or were you living the dream (laughs) before crypto came along?
2: I actually was living the dream before crypto came along. My first startup,
1: this is Peter Saddington, he's a serial entrepreneur. A computer guy who writes software, creates companies around it, and then sells it to investors. And he first heard about crypto in an article he read about this web application, or technology, that allegedly had lost 90% of its
2: value. Like for me, as an engineer, it made no sense that a technology stack could lose value. The, The stack doesn't have any value, it's just code.
1: Turns out that application he was reading about was Bitcoin. That was back in 2011, just three years after that Bitcoin white paper came out, the one that converted Lamont.
2: I was like, what is this thing? After about a month of digging in, losing about 15 pounds, and my wife was like, are you going crazy here? Uh, I figured out as an engineer, and this is the foundational thing that changed my life, is I found out that I could now, as a Joe Blow off the street with some engineering expertise, I now could program my own money.
1: Okay, it's not exactly that easy. The average person can't program their own money. But what Peter realized, as a guy who was already writing software, was that he could use Bitcoin as the platform for lots of new ideas.
2: It was clear that for me as an engineer, I could begin building applications on the second layer of Bitcoin.
1: Peter could create his own coins just by tweaking Bitcoin source code. He could make Bitcoin easier to trade. He thought the possibilities were endless.
2: I decided, hey, this digital currency stuff, it really is the next generation of not only monetary policy, but it's the next generation of wealth.
1: So remember, this is back in 2011. He bought some.
2: And I met a guy through a website and he said, hey, man, give me 300 bucks and I'll give you 300 bucks of, of Bitcoin. And because it wasn't worth a whole lot, I just, I, that's how I bought it. I would buy it through PayPal and they would send it to a, a wallet. I would write down my seed, The
1: most my important seed thing about buying a Bitcoin is to keep your password or seed phrases incredibly secure. If someone has your password, they can steal your Bitcoin. And what did Peter do with all those passwords that would eventually be worth millions? He jotted them down on sticky notes.
2: I pasted those sticky notes on the back of my laptop.
1: So when all of this works well, it's a great source of passive money. And that's what a lot of people, including Peter, saw it as. And for a while there, he was right. The price of Bitcoin was crazy. In November 2021, it was trading at the tulip mania price of some $69,000 a coin. So what happened next, in hindsight, was almost predictable.
3: Today, Bitcoin prices kick off the week in the red.
1: Crypto exchanges announce more layoffs as... And while the world began to freak out about the run on Bitcoin and were rushing for the exits, Peter saw an opportunity. He became a repo man. Repo man. But instead of repossessing cars from people who couldn't make their payments, Peter began buying machines from Bitcoin miners who had bitten off more than they could chew people who had borrowed money to buy machines they couldn't afford on the assumption that they could pay for them once the value of Bitcoin went up. So when it crashed, they were selling their miners at bargain basement prices to try to cover their expenses.
2: And people were like, we need to get these off the shelves. And we were like, hmm, we're looking at our technical analysis, our fundamental analysis.
1: And he gets these mining machines
2: for really cheap. Somewhere near the bottom, so that I can mine anywhere between 6 to 12 times more Bitcoin at about 80% off. So
1: you're like a miner repo man.
2: Bro, I've been mining since 2012. Yes, he just called me bro. I know this game. Like, it's it's calculus, not guesswork for me.
1: OK, so you are a repo man, though, a little bit. You, you make it
2: sound cheap, but you're not wrong.
1: All of this has turned out so well for Peter, he now has what he calls his Bitcoin Benz.
2: This is the world's first Bitcoin Benz. It is a 2016 AMG GTS purchased with Bitcoin mining rewards. Rewards he got with all those distressed Bitcoin
1: mining assets he now has.
2: Let's get it started. The car's on airbags. When I start it, the airbags will raise the car up, and we'll hear the exhaust. So let's go.
1: But not everyone is a Peter or a Lamont or a Sam in this game. Just ask the people who sold Peter repoed miner machines, the people who got pennies on the dollar. Or ask Sam Bankman-Fried, the so-called crypto king, who's now out on a $250 million bond. Or talk to the millions of people who traded on his now-defunct cryptocurrency exchange, FTX. According to the company's bankruptcy filing, it may owe its top creditors $3.1 billion. And the millions of people who took the gamble on crypto with him? They may be out billions more. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the week. Poland's top security agency said that it has been a constant target of pro-Russian hackers since Russia invaded Ukraine last February. The agency said the targets have included government services, private companies, media organizations, and even ordinary citizens. Polish cybersecurity officials said they believe the attacks are in response to Warsaw's continued support of Ukraine in the conflict. The House of Representatives' chief administrative office has banned TikTok. It announced that any devices managed by the house will not be allowed to download the TikTok app. If you have the TikTok app on your house mobile device, you will be contacted to remove it, the office warned staffers in an email. Earlier this year, the office said TikTok posed a risk because it actively harvests biometric data and other sensitive user information. TikTok has denied it does so, but the house office has banned it anyway. And finally, Copper Mountain Mining Corporation, a major Canadian copper mine, announced that it's been on the receiving end of a ransomware attack. The company said it's in the process of isolating operations in both its corporate network and the network servicing the Copper Mountain mine. 2022 was a bad year for ransomware attacks. According to the cybersecurity company Dragos, there were 86 ransomware attacks on manufacturing concerns last year alone. The company noted that the Lockbit ransomware gang has been the only group that has gone after mining and water treatment companies, though Dragos didn't say the group was responsible this time. Click Here is a production of The Record by Recorded Future. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, your host, writer, and executive producer. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. And Will Jarvis is our producer and helps with the writing. Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski are our editors. Darren Ancrum is our fact checker. And Ben Levingston composes our theme. And our other music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. We want to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. And you can connect with us at clickyourshow.com. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and we'll be back on Tuesday.
2: Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to therecord.media.